Zoom in on global affairs with insightful debates and exclusive interviews. This is World Insight. The 30th APEC Economic Leaders Meeting has wrapped up in San Francisco last week. Before the gathering, Chinese President Xi Jinping and U.S. President Joe Biden had a summit. One of those paying close attention to the Xi-Biden meeting was Malaysian Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim. He was present for the APEC leaders' meeting. He's had a close appreciation of major power relations thanks to his long political career. Malaysia did work closely with China on the Belt and Road Initiative. Both countries are deepening practical cooperation in various fields. How far could the San Francisco leaders' meeting help set a more positive tone for working together? What does the meeting between President Xi and Biden mean for climate action and regional security? For insights, we had an exclusive one-on-one with Malaysian Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim. Mr. Prime Minister, this theme of the APEC Economic Leaders Week is more about the resilience and also sustainability for all. So tell me more about your thoughts on the theme. What is Malaysia's take? Well, this is a period of uncertainties. People do discuss or being more concerned with the issue of calamities, climate, or the Gaza, which is, of course, very pertinent and relevant. But at the same time, this is also an opportunity for us to ensure that the relationship is further concretized, enhanced, and uh, outstanding issues that affect adversely economic interests and investments should be resolved. Then uh, there will be more hope, a more positive outlook for the future. So Malaysia's position is that um, whilst we have to grapple with the existing problems, the, can- the world cannot afford a sluggish growth due to this uh, contentious policies between countries or regions. What you are saying is that, Mr. Prime Minister, for the sake of our common development, please make sure we got the questions resolved. Precisely. And, and uh, it takes uh, both sides to tango, as they say. Or multiple sides to tango. <laughs> but but um, also uh, to accept some new realities. For example, whilst uh, our trade and our relations with uh, the United States is very important, uh, the United States must also accept that uh, there are new developments. China is no longer China of the 50s and the 60s. It is becoming a very um, effective, uh, dominant economic figure and a uh, very important trading partner to many countries, including Malaysia. I would see, uh, particularly as an emerging economy, a relatively smaller country, uh, it would benefit us immensely if we can collaborate and uh, accept the, the need to engage further, trade more, invest more, at the same time accept the new realities. Mm, interesting. What is exactly the new reality as you were in China and interacting with the Chinese side quite often recently? Chinese leaders uh, accept us as part of uh, a team and um, willing to engage with full respect. Well, not only in terms of investments, our concerns about uh, uh, the past uh, arrangements, uh, the need to make whatever adjustments required, I see no difficulty in, in terms of uh, engaging. Of course, with the uh, President Xi Jinping's one, of course, he has given uh, a lot of uh, time, focus, and I mean, uh, due recognition to our role. 
but more so with Premier Li Chiang that I met in the last five, six months, three times, and a uh, very important engagement. In these sort of discussions, very frank, uh, and the exchange is very meaningful. It's not one-sided, mm. as perceived by some others. And uh, that's why I think whilst we would uh, continue the engagement with uh, the United States or Europe, which is important, but they should not um, unnecessarily feel, uh, not necessarily threatened, but um, that we should be in the old Cold War setup. Either we are with you or with them or with us. I mean, that cannot happen. And I think this is what I talk about new realities. Furthermore, China is, is a major power. And um, in terms of our relations, uh, Malaysia in particular, we have no, no real outstanding contentious issues at all. Yes, there are problems, but, but we have been able to engage well. And I think it has benefited both uh, countries. Mr. Prime Minister, what does that take in terms of leadership, as you said, not to look at the world in a zero-sum game way, not black and white, and also keep a good balance by engaging with different powers and different players? What does that mean to you personally? Well, it's like uh, in <laughs> economics, you say back to fundamentals. In political philosophy, it's the same. You see, uh, America has this great tradition of uh, democracy, of values, of uh, humanitarian uh, uh, views, of what Tocqueville talks about, habits of the heart. And then the Chinese now, particularly under Xi Jinping, talks about not only strategic partnership in terms of economic development, but um, human values and uh, civilization. I mean, I, mean, I of course, track, attracted because it shares some of the concerns. So if you look at these um, ideals, the principles, there is no reason why we should uh, feel threatened or fierce competition at the expense of one another. Uh, so I think um, we should then bring back this sort of uh, human, humanity, of compassion, of good values, uh, which is um, unfortunately terribly lacking among political leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, it becomes so contentious, so biased, and, uh, you know, we are more independent now, so the colonial mindset must go. The white supremacy cannot be condoned or tolerated. I mean, I'm not suggesting that all countries share that, but, you know, the remnants of fascism and white racism is still there. And to me, it's shocking. There is complete um, ignorance of the fact that, that things have changed. You know, um, and people become more independent, more uh, international, and economy is so globalized. And you are still stuck to the old, obsolete way of thinking when you were either superpower or big imperialist or colonial power. The ship is already floating, but they're still on the bank. Yes. 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 That's very interesting what you just said, Mr. Prime Minister. You and the Chinese President Xi Jinping has been building on consensus on a shared future uh, between China and Malaysia. Tell me more about exactly what it means to your leadership and for the cooperation between the two countries. Well, uh, of course, my focus now is economic, the economy. Yes. Is it? Uh, Malaysia used to write uh, rather more convincing uh, in terms of its growth. It has somewhat um, stagnated. It's my duty, therefore, to bring back and propel the economy. And China is, of course, a pivotal partner in this exercise. They have done so. 
and uh, we have discussed the, some of the issues, uh, including investments, potential trade, which, which uh, remains a priority. But what at, uh, attracted me, uh, incidentally, on the sort of uh, collaboration with China is that we talk about um, I know humanity, we talk about human values, we talk about compassion, we talk about uh, civilizational understanding. Uh, which is very very consistent by Madani uh, philosophy and uh, President Xi Jinping, of course, articulates very well. Uh, which which uh, I've said that, and of course, my friends and some, uh, particularly one European leader, asked me why is it that I'm a bit too too full of praise. I said because not many political leaders in the world would talk about values and civilization. They talk about dollars and cents and how we can exploit one another and, um, and bring up only on the contentious issues. Why is civilization's issue like this important to you? No, because after all, human beings, uh, you know, you, we have a great Western historical and intellectual tradition. Uh, we have great Chinese tradition, Islamic, Indian. No, why can't we see and, and the need to forge this sort of uh, values Otherwise, you are talking about religious differences. Many of the, the more, what I say, um, contentious political issues of the present is because um, you profess human rights or democracy, but um, you're not always consistent and sometimes ambivalent. That's why, for example, to large segment of the popular voice on the Palestinian right and the big misunderstanding or contentious debates on this issue, which I find really difficult to swallow. I mean, we are not we are not talking about terrorism. We are not talking about about condoning uh, excesses or hostage taking. We are talking about human lives, women, babies, civilians. We are talking about peace and development. Asia Pacific, one of the most vibrant regions of the world. We are both in here, Malaysia, China. So how is going to be and what could be the potential roles of China and Malaysia in terms of economic integration, economic cooperation in the Asia-Pacific region? Look, I have said um, our focus is, of course, the economy, Indeed. which means the, the, the crafting of the economic policy takes into account bilateral relations. China's fortunate has done uh, remarkably well in the last uh, one or two decades, and therefore there are areas that they can contribute uh, to our progress and development. Similarly, they have been humble enough to acknowledge the fact that there are issues and areas where they can benefit through this sort of a collaboration with us, and and uh, either digital transformation, energy transition agriculture, technology, and uh, focus, and all, all these issues are being addressed. So China and Malaysia has been working on infrastructure projects. It has also been building projects that have become flagship ones in the region. What is your assessment of the latest development and implementation of these projects so that they can showcase to the region and the rest of the world what they might bring to the people? Of course, the, the most um, say prominent uh, and I should say um, successful initial venture, the 
East Coast Railway. And, and um, that's, of course, a huge uh, uh, project undertaken by the Chinese and the Malaysian counterpart. But what is to me significant that is a major uh, I should say, intrusion, penetration into the rural heartland, the poorer segment of the community. So hopefully with, through that, we'll propel economic growth. Mm-hmm. Um, because the issue of effective uh, line of communication and transportation. But um, of course, uh, we have now gone to so many new areas now of uh, digital transformation, including data centers um, and, and uh, energy. We have been fortunate in that sense that because uh, we were quite early in terms of this sort of uh, collaboration with the Chinese and the project seems to be quite major in terms of infrastructure. And they've proven to be extremely successful and uh, generally Malaysians are excited about this. Have you visited some of these sites? Have you been talking to people that are actually their lives could be influenced by these wonderful projects? In fact, uh, in the last few months, I went to one of the most remote uh, centers where they had um, a, a station there. Tell me about it. Yeah, and, and of course, and this is very rural, mm-hmm. and uh, people are so very excited. It's the first major project. And, and of course, we came up with this proposal, look, make sure that it becomes a development hub for that sub-region. And uh, we have to then co- coordinate with the state authorities and the local authorities. Mm-hmm. But of course, this is the first time the uh, rural heartland have seen this gigantic project and the potential for the economy. Of course, they, they have seen for the first time the land value has gone up. <laughs> and uh, they're related because it's not just the railway station. But then they, uh, we have made sure that, you know, the shopping, the housing comes with that. And, and um, so, so I think this, this is important. This, this is, to my mind, a classic case of uh, a major infrastructure projects, but um, supported by the other facilities that could really hope to propel the economy. And it will benefit the rural, particularly the poorer segments. And you know, China and the Chinese is very particular on this uh, few issue of uh, poverty Alleviation. eradication, yeah. which is uh, part of my struggle over the last few decades. Mm-hmm. I know you have been working on that uh, very consistently. You see some hope? Well, I've seen results. I mean, I was there and I chose the most remote area where the station is, uh, has been built. It's almost completed, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> when I was there, it's about almost 90%. So it's very much on schedule. Were you happy when you saw people's lives actually really could benefit from the project? When you see that, and then you have this plan to develop the area, when you have some housing, shops, and, and uh, restaurants, and, and uh, you can see thousands of people benefit from a railway station. Yeah. You see, so this, uh, hopefully, I mean, this is ongoing. I think uh, given another year, once it, uh, operational, you can see these results. Zoom in on global affairs with insightful debates and exclusive interviews. This is World Insight. We have seen developing economies and emerging economies working on projects so important for poverty alleviation, for human development. 
How much do you see we have found our ways? Well, there's also the learning curve. We yes, made uh, a lot of mistakes. Sometimes we focus too much on infrastructure. And, and even, even in terms of poverty eradication projects, too many leakages, too many corruption. And um, we, I mean, Malaysia, even in the past governments, have spent a lot of money for poverty elevation, huge billions of dollars, uh, either through subsidy or through assistance. But if it must be efficiently administered, mm -hmm. it must benefit directly the poor. And uh, this is, of course, a major challenge, and the challenge, of course, of governance. That's why I've made it a strong pillar in our Madani government to make sure that central issues governance must leakages and must be tough against the corrupt at all levels. How do you see your efforts to attract investment from all over the world, especially from China? How much competitive advantage does Malaysia today have in order to achieve that? Well, we are very fortunate because in the last uh, six months, uh, the registered um, interest and, and operations in terms of um, investments is huge. Now, let us take China. We start with Geely uh, Proton, uh, who have decided now to f build not, the, not only the... the Automobile facility. It's an autom automotive city. Wow. Yeah. And the production goes uh, by hundreds of thousands a year. And, uh, and setting up a university and a research center. Mm. Okay, this one. Which means they have a lot of confidence. Uh, Vice President Han was there uh, last week uh, to observe for himself. And I was there initially last month just to say, look. You start the project, we will accelerate the process of approval so that uh, there's no unnecessary or an undue delay. Mm -hmm. Then um, take, for example, the biggest the China automotive uh, company that has now released, uh, together with the local partner, uh, the EV uh, vents. And then uh, you have Rongshan, of course, a huge petrochemical company. Not just a memorandum of understanding uh, whether to, but they have come, seen for themselves and projected. Um, of course, the largest now is uh, China, although cumulatively investments in Malaysia still, the United States have been you know, a long-term uh, player in this. Uh, now, last few months, Infineon, which is the largest uh, microchip industry from Germany, uh, has uh, decided... Uh, to expand their facility in Malaysia uh, in terms of microchips, not only the, not at the back end, you see, as was in the past. Mm -hmm. Now they have gone through 5 billion euros yeah, for the front end. And of course, um, with uh, AWS and uh, Google and the related uh, technological and digital uh, companies mm -hmm. coming to Malaysia. So we are quite fortunate in this sense. But as I've said, it's first stable, politically stable, clear economic policy, clarity, and of course, a fast track, ease of doing business. And we have to deal with this. Mm. So you're actually trying to attract the best from all over the world and bring a comprehensive environment that's attractive to everybody. Yes. But well, of course, we have to be independent. There was this 
this view about uh, controversy about Huawei. So I told my friends, I said, look, as far as we are concerned, we take the best. So it's Ericsson is one, is in, fair. And they should be given all the necessary support. Why should Huawei be out? I have difficulty to and understand why. I just look at the potential in terms of uh, their research, their technological expertise, and the training that they can provide. So we say, contrary to concerns of some others, we say welcome. And we have taken a firm decision on that. Make sure it's not politics, but rather whatever is the most beneficial for the people. Yeah, that's true. That's our position. Otherwise, you don't call yourself an independent country. Mr. Prime Minister, we also see ASEAN has been playing a proactive role in the region for development and peace. Now, as an important member of ASEAN, tell me more about how your country is working with that platform and what do you see might be the potential of this platform as we are talking about economic and trade in the Asia-Pacific region? ASEAN is, of course, one of the fastest growing economies in the world. And the region has um, registered an impressive, uh, not only growth, but working relations in terms of ensuring political stability. And we have done that. Of course, there's only slight issue with Myanmar, which we are trying to negotiate. But still, we have this five-point consensus. All countries agree that we have to deal with Myanmar in that manner. So, uh, and, and now, I think particularly in the last few years, and um, I remember the last meeting in Jakarta, the focus, of course, the economy, you see, which we think uh, need to be given more impetus because of um, the enormous potential, and we have not been pushing that hard. So, uh, in terms of the issues I mentioned, energy transition, digital transformation, and food uh, technology, all these issues are given uh, enough uh, focus. And to, also with these SMEs, mm -hmm. because our strength is not necessarily the big, gigantic companies that China or United States have. Our strength, of course, the medium tier, the SMEs. Mm -hmm. And uh, that happens to be the, the, the new focus of ASEAN. Indonesia's ending its term, Laos will take over, and following that, Malaysia. Now we have seen, in terms of trade and economic development, more groupings. Rather than just the one or two most important economies, there are economies that are coming in groups for one issue or another, and they try to push forward the development of the overall strategy globally, the so-called middle power. Uh, how is Malaysia trying to position itself both in the Asia-Pacific region and globally for smoother transition to a global and regional system that are pro-trade, that are pro-economic integration? That is why I think ASEAN as a sub-regional group is very critical uh, so that uh, we are no longer dependent uh, or, or um, totally on the so-called uh, superpowers, mm -hmm. uh, economic powers. Uh, but our approach is very realistic. It's economic interest. is trying to work together. Uh, China happens to be the closest neighbor. That's why you can see oftentimes the concern that we become a bit too close to China. Who's concerned? Uh, <laughs> some some uh, <laughs> countries in the West. But China happens to be an important economy, an important neighbor, I mean, close, a close neighbor. So you work 
well with them and their policies has been uh, very uh, beneficial to uh, the interests of ASEAN. Mm-hmm. Now, l- last fortnight, we had a session, ASEAN GCC, yes. the Gulf con- uh, countries. And it's the first time hosted uh, by Saudi Arabia and Riyadh. And the next session will be in 2025 in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you see, the sub-regional groups now are also working together. And uh, so we have, uh, I think, uh, better sort of a coordination, collaboration, understanding. Then, with a, that common position, we can engage with other countries. Mr. Prime Minister, thank you so much no. for your insights and input. No, thank you. Appreciate I appreciate it. this. Thank you very much. Thank you.